Thank you, Ringers. You guys have been here all morning doing just a splendid job for us. Thank you. Good morning, friends, and welcome to our 11 o'clock service on this, the fifth Sunday of Lent. Good grief, time flies. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday, and then we'll be into Holy Week. Uh, what a privilege to share in this sacred season together. Uh, my name is James Howell. I'm one of the pastors here, and we welcome those of you in the room. Many more, more we know who are joining us online. Uh, it's good to worship together in this way. I mentioned to you that uh, uh, it's probably my boo-boo. It didn't make it into the bulletin, but when we come to the last hymn, the choir will help us. We're just singing stanzas four and five of the closing hymn, which you'll understand why when the time comes. Uh, so make a note of that uh, in your mind. Uh, I, I, I look around. Some of you are visiting with us. Goodness, we're just so honored uh, that you have come. You've taken the time to come here to be with us. We're honored. We're welcome. We welcome you. And we hope that you'll come back and worship again. Please leave us some kind of contact information. We'd love to reach out to you this week and begin to get acquainted. Uh, you can get acquainted with us. That would be great. Anyway, I'm up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Reverend Taylor Pride Barefoot. Good morning. It's so good to be in worship with you today. Uh, we are grateful that we can gather together on Sundays, but we also want to remind you that there is always a lot happening in the life of the church, and that information is in your bulletin, so we encourage you to stay connected. Let us continue on with worship as we seek God together. Let us continue to raise our voices together as we affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed, which is found in our bulletin on page 881. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, 
and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. prayer of confession as we unite our voices in our shared brokenness. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, too hidden even to realize, and too deep to undo. Forgive what we hesitate to name, what our hearts can no longer bear. Set us free from a past that we cannot change. Open us to a future in which we can be changed and grant us grace to grow into your likeness through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Psalter reading is Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thy ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plenteous redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. This is the word of God for the people of God. A couple of years ago, I started my sermon by telling you about one of my closest friends who he just vanished. Uh, I texted him, didn't hear back, called him, left voicemail, didn't hear back. I checked in, uh, another friend or two was having the same experience. I finally reached out to his wife. She said, I'm sorry. She said, I'll, um, I'll have him call you. He called me and said, come on over. I went to his house and he said, um, I'm sorry. I fell in a hole. I'm sorry. I fell in a hole. I said to him, dude, next time you fall in a hole, you call me and I'll come pull you out of the hole. Now, when I told this in the sermon, people immediately leaped on this and told me what I wish they'd told me before the service, which is, uh, you remember the scene from the West Wing? Oh, I did as soon as they said it. This is where uh, Josh is beginning to show signs of struggling with alcoholism, and Leo says to him, let me tell you a story. There's a guy that fell in a hole, and uh, the doctor came by and he said, doctor, can you help me? The doctor said, sure. He wrote a prescription, dropped it down in the hole. 
priest comes by and says, Father, can you help me? And the, the priest says, sure. He writes out a prayer and drops it down in the hole. Friend comes by and he says, friend, can you help me? And the friend jumped down in the hole. And he said, well, that's stupid. Now both of us are down in the hole. But the friend says, yeah, but I've been in this hole before. I know the way out. I know the way out. I should add <clears throat> that actually what I said to my friend after I said, I'll pull you out of the hole, uh, the years have taught me to be a little bit wiser than that. I said, or I'll just climb down in the hole and be there with you. There's some holes that are like that, right? We want, oh, just pull me out of the hole. But some holes, I mean, what would it be? Chronic illness. It's turned out to be his situation. Death is coming. You're just on a hole. We're not alone uh, in the hole, and uh, the psalm says, out of the depths I cry to you. It doesn't specify what those depths are, and that invites us to fill in the blank. Uh, you know, what are your depths? What are the depths of other people that you know? It could be the pits of depression. Some relationships, a marriage can be like that. You, know, you, you look happy, and you go out in the public and you pretend, but it really feels like you're in some deep, dark hole. Some people, their jobs, they may be well compensated, but the job feels like it's this dark pit that I go to every day. It could be a cancer diagnosis. I have a friend right now who uh, has realized and been told by his doctor that he is uh, slipping into dementia. There's a dark hole. And then we can name places where people are in dark holes, East Palestine, Ohio, or Kiev. And those things remind us that the holes that we fall into aren't just personal. Uh, they're bigger than just a person. We, we live in a world <clears throat> that's fallen. We live in a world that's fallen into a hole. Lisa and I watched a documentary the other night that was absolutely wonderful. It's by a guy named Wim Wenders, and it's called Salt of the Earth. I would commend it to you. It's about the story, the career of a photographer whose name I'll probably mispronounce, uh, Portuguese name, Sebastião Salgado. He's a Brazilian photographer, and the uh, documentary begins when he goes to a gold mine in Brazil. The gold mine is called Serra Palada, <clears throat> and there's a photo of it by this photographer on the front of your bulletin. And I studied this thing, and the, the way it worked is that in 1979, not ancient history, but in 1979, somebody discovered a chunk of gold. And so within a week, there were 20,000 people who had materialized there, digging into the ground. That hole that you see on the bulletin, in 1979, that was flat ground. So 20,000 people showed up and more later and they began to dig down into the ground, one bag at a time. After a while they had to put ladders down, then they had to put ladders below the ladders. And the hole eventually came to be 200 meters deep that they had dug down into the ground. The people in it looked like ants in an anthill. Uh, what Salgado said is this, he said, when I reached the edge of that enormous hole for the first time, Every hair on my body stood on end. Here, in a split second, I saw unfolding before me the entire history of mankind, the building of the pyramids, the Tower of Babel, the mines of King Solomon. You could not hear a single machine, only the babble of 50,000 people in one huge hole. I had returned to the dawn of time. You know, he took photos of the people desperately in their dirty, you know, they had to close this mine. It wasn't a mine, right? It was just a hole that people dug. They had to close it uh, seven years later uh, because uh, there were murders and theft and there was prostitution. And it turned out whatever the process is to deal with, with gold there involves mercury. And so mercury was getting into the water and it was killing the fish and the wildlife and they had to shut the mine down after this. One of the things that Salgado said about that, he said, uh, all that earth had to be removed. He said, when I first got there, I had the impression that I was looking at the work of slaves. So it turned out there was not one slave in that hole, then he adds, except slaves to the idea of getting rich. <laughs> I love that. 
I love that. Seems to be an image of our fallen world, doesn't it? Out of the depths I cry. Out of the depths we cry. Out of the depths the world cries. It says some good can come from holes. All right, we know this. I uh, looked out uh, my front yard. Uh, some bulbs were planted there. You dig a hole, you plant a bulb, pretty flowers come up now. Like, oh, that's how that works. It's uh, cool. John Wesley. Uh, he'd fallen into a hole, his Aldersgate experience, the Methodists love to talk about from May 24, 1738. He was at a very dark point indeed. He snuck in the back of a church and he heard the choir singing this psalm, Out of the depths I cry to thee. He came to an awareness of God's grace, good coming out of the hole. Joseph's brothers, right? They were so jealous of him because their, their father gave him like the cool coat. And so they threw him into a pit and thought, we're done with him. But it's a good thing they threw him into a pit because some Midianite traders came along and he took him to Egypt and he became the most powerful man in Egypt and saved the lives of the whole world. Good coming out of a hole. Uh, think about our building project here. Uh, you know, it is good to see something now. For the longest time, people would say, hey, how's your construction project? And I'd kind of growl a little and say, I think it's only a destruction project. They don't seem to be building anything. They're just like, well, at some point, the, the building supervisor showed me what was down in the hole. Pretty interesting. It wasn't just demolition down into the hole. They were actually building some amazing things that, that you actually need for a building to stand up. That's how it works, right? It's, it's got to be all this stuff under the then, and only then can the steel come up. That's why we call it the center of hope. It's why our campaign is called Hope is Here. When you invest in this project, that is a not very subtle hint, is it? Hint, hint. When you invest in this building project, some of you have not. You still may. Some of you could dig a little deeper. Inflation about killed us last year. When you invest in this project, it's a symbol of hope. People who drive by, I mean, people think the church is dying in our world. Well, look what we got going on. There's hope. There is a God. There's a church that's got some life. We're going to make a difference in the world. And then even better, I have to say, on Friday, uh, I went out to our uh, opening Habitat workday. If you haven't tracked this, out on Morris Field Road near the airport, we are building 39 homes, a neighborhood. This is the coolest thing. I'm so proud to be part of a church that would dare to do something, something that audacious and transformative. And what's cool about it right now is, is uh, some of the, they progress differently, right? So we, we had people hammering in houses that, that they've already come up out of the hole, but others that they just, they're just digging the holes where it's going to be a house one day. That, that, that's how all homes work, right? It's a hole, but then, oh, a home comes out of the hole. Good. Comes out of hole. Psalm 130. Uh, which Stephanie read for us, is one of what the church calls the, the seven penitential psalms. We're in the season of Lent, a season of penitence. The seven penitential psalms uh, are designed and selected to be something of an answer to what we call the seven deadly sins. You know, the church has always warned that there are seven sins that will be the undoing of your soul. And we have to contemplate these because they sound like the good life in America, what everybody's headed for. But those seven deadly sins, you know, think gluttony, lust, sloth, pride, envy, so on. Like, that's what we're trying to get in America. It will be the undoing of your soul. Gandhi heard about the seven deadly sins, and I love this. He said they actually are also building on top of that seven social sins, seven things that go wrong in society, and they are, listen to this list, wealth without work, pleasure without conscience, knowledge without character, commerce without morality, science without humanity, religion without sacrifice, politics without principle. If I listen to that list and think about the seven deadly sins, I just can only say, ouch. We're a broken people. We are a broken world. And how does God respond to this? I think I grew up thinking, well, sin is God's got some rules, and you break the rules, and God is very angry at you for breaking those rules. I've said to you before, I don't think it's that way. I, th I think it's more in my best days as a parent when my kids would do something stupid. God, 
I would just, uh, you know, my bad days, I might holler at them, and I didn't mean to. My better days, though, I would just look at them and say, Where, where'd that come from? Is, that, is this who you want to be? <laughs> is this the kind of life that you want to have? Don't you want to do better, be better? Or maybe it's like, uh, I told this on Ash Wednesday, uh, I want to repeat it because it fits. Uh, I had a dog, my first uh, church was out in the country and the parsonage backed up to a huge forest. I had a dog named Abigail and I loved to let her out in the afternoon. She would just run through the woods and frolic. She just had such a blast and then she would come home for dinner. Well, one day she didn't come home for dinner. So I went back into the woods to try to find her and I heard a yelping and I followed the sound of the yelping and down in a little uh, ravine, uh, there was Ab Abby, Abigail, some, some, somebody years before evidently had had a barbed wire fence there and had fallen down on the leaves and of course she'd gotten tangled in that barbed wire and she was struggling to get out and of course the harder she struggled, the worse it lacerated her skin, her fur and I couldn't just yank her out of there, right? What I had to do is, is just you know, pet her and say, Abby, shh. Abby, just be still, be still. Trust me, I finally got her settled down and I could pull those barbs out of her skin and then I picked her up and took her back to the house and fed her dinner. You know, she didn't scarf it down like she usually would. She ate gingerly beautiful thing. You know, God sees us. Like we we're in, we're, can't extricate ourselves from this mess that we find ourselves in, and God says, be still, let me liberate you from this. <clears throat> you know, in 1967, uh, the Beatles came out with a song called Fixing a Hole. Paul, Paul McCartney sang, I'm fixing a hole where the rain gets in. I remember saying to one of my friends, I bet Paul McCartney ain't fixed any hole in a long <clears throat> period of time. But Jesus did, right? Jesus was a builder. He was a carpenter. I bet the times came when Mary said, hey, son, there, there's, there's a leak. The water's getting in. And Jesus would fix the hole. His life was all about fixing holes or filling holes, right? <laughs> filling the holes into which we fall in. I mean, think about this at the Last Supper. You know, Maundy Thursday's tracking, and a week and a half we'll be there. And at that last supper, I think it's so beautiful. Jesus come into our hole to, to pull us out, to save us. And I think when he, when he broke that bread for the Passover meal, I, I just firmly believe that when, when he looked at that broken bread, he, he got a glimpse of what was about to happen to his pure, holy body. And I think when he looked into that cup of the red wine, he had a vision of his own blood being shed soon. You know, he went out from that supper to the Garden of Gethsemane, and we forget that they arrested him. They threw him in jail overnight before they tried him on Good Friday. And that jail, there's a place in Jerusalem that we, we take groups to. We think this may well have been the jail where Jesus was. You and I think jail, like, you know, bars with lights. But for Jesus, it would have been this dark stone pit. And they would have just thrown him down into the pit. And down there, it's pitch black dark. I take groups there, we turn the lights off. It's pitch black dark. It's chilly. It's hard. Jesus spent that night in that darkest pit because he came. He came into all of our dark places, into all of our pits. There's no hole that is too deep for Jesus. There's no sin that is too great. There's no brokenness that is too broken. There's no addiction that is too strong. Jesus, here's our cry out of the depths. I cry to you, O Lord, and there he is with us. It takes time. The psalm says, my soul waits for the Lord. Like, yeah, we want to pray, and Jesus, let's do this in the next five minutes. Come on, answer my prayer. But it takes time, and that's good for us. All good things take time. All good things require waiting. We wait for the Lord, trusting that like a bulb coming out of the ground and becoming a beautiful flower, like a church coming up becoming a wonderful building like a home coming up out of just a hole in the ground. Life, it's coming. It's God's. God's promised. <laughs> God won't let us down. God comes. 
down to lift us up. Thanks be to God. Let us prepare our hearts for prayer. O God, in whom we live, move, and have our being, we praise you for your steadfast love for all people. In the face of all that wearies us and worries us, your word echoes across the centuries with hope. As we follow the footsteps of Jesus in this Lenten season, the cross stands before us. We trust you are never far from our sorrows, walking with us, sharing our tears. In this time of worship today, we ask you to renew our trust in your abiding presence and promises. Lord, in your mercy, God who knows us through and through, we confess our memories can cause us to struggle with our faith. We remember difficult times and wonder where you were. We remember tragedies and ask how you could let them happen. We remember our own mistakes and wonder how you could love us. Forgive us when our memories turn us away from you. Lord, in your mercy, O oh God of the loving heart, thank you that in Christ you call each of us by name and unite us in his body, the church. Give us love enough to make a difference in your world and trust enough to follow even when the way ahead is difficult or challenging. Lord, in your mercy, God of peace and promise, we pray today for people and places divided by ancient bitterness and current hostility. We especially remember the people whose lives are touched by war, who have suffered so much loss and death. We are grateful that in Christ you have taken up the cross and know by heart the things that bring us suffering and pain. We are mindful today of all those who have suffered the loss of loved ones, and especially remember the family of Janet England, who grieve their loss this week. Lord, we ask that you would comfort them in this difficult season. Lord, in your mercy. God of hope and new possibilities, Give us the courage we need to face the future, unafraid, assured of your steadfast love and presence for all your children. We offer our prayers in the sure and certain hope of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. This week, through your generous giving, you will touch lives in this community and across this world. In advance of your giving and on behalf of those whose lives will be touched by your generosity, I give you thanks.
God, we place our gifts into your hands, praying that they may become the seeds of new life, springing up with hope and healing for weary souls. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So friends, we come now to our Lord's table. All are welcome, all are encouraged to come, all who are broken, all who dream, all who love, all who know their need. Uh, we will uh, begin with the prayers of consecration. Uh, the choir will lead us in singing the musical responses. They're found on page 17 at the front of your hymnal. Uh, after we do that, we'll invite you to come forward. The ushers will guide you. We'll come in two lines. Uh, with some, if you're standing, somebody will hand you a piece of bread, dip it gently into the cup, return to your seat by way of the outside aisle. You can receive kneeling. Uh, we also have uh, these packets. If you request one, they are both gluten-free and COVID-friendly. So there we have that. Uh, and this is something that takes some time. The psalm said, wait for the Lord. This would be a time just to take some time in God's presence, to pray for yourself, to pray for God's world, to pray for hope. So uh, let us join together now in the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. On the night at which he gave himself up for us, the Lord Jesus took bread. After giving you thanks, he broke the bread. He gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. For this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory are yours, Almighty Father now and forever.
now with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray as our Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come.
Friends, would you join with me now as we pray the prayer after communion, which you will find printed in your bulletin. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. And now may the grace of our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us both now and forevermore.